Hello and welcome to my true crime podcast, Murder Highway. I'm Charlotte Regal and music and graphic design is by Bethany Collinge. Today I'm going to be discussing the murder of Debbie Lindsley. Debbie Lindsley was a 26-year-old trainee hotel manager. She was from Edinburgh, but she was staying with her brother in London as he was getting married the week after. She was going to be his bridesmaid, but she was also attending a hotel management course in London. And it was at this hotel management course that she met a man who said he ran the Sherlock Holmes Hotel in Baker Street. He explained to her that he had some job opportunities available and he would like her to come and see the hotel. So on this day that she left to go to see the Sherlock Holmes Hotel, she dressed smartly. She reportedly wore a blue top, a blue skirt and a leather jacket. She had done her hair and her makeup and she was looking really nice. Um, her brother was going to give her a lift to the station because uh, her train was at 2.16. So she had some lunch, she watched Neighbours and then got him to take her there. So she got on the train um, and this was the 2.16 train from Orpington to Victoria. Um, and the specific station that she got on was called Petswood Station. Um, now the the line that she was on, it was quite a sort of rural suburban line um, for the area. So it wasn't like the tubes, it was, it was just a, a train. Um, and when Debbie got on the carriage, um, she chose a carriage that was sort of closed off. So the trains that they had in 1988 were in in different parts so some of the carriages you could move through quite freely um, but then there were these other singular carriages that were sort of blocked off so you could only enter or exit them by using the doors in and out of the platform um, and you couldn't move freely through the train and they were quite small I think they had about 12 seats in them they're very old-fashioned and Debbie's mum said that usually when they travelled together they would always get on one of the open carriages because they knew the dangers of travelling on these closed carriages for obvious reasons because you can't get away if there's a problem. However, on this day Debbie decided to, to travel on the closed uh, carriage. Now, this is because she was a smoker and the only place that she could have smoked on this train would have been the closed carriage um, because that was the smoking area. Police think it's quite likely that when she got on the train uh, she thought it was safe to get on this closed carriage because she might have seen other ladies on there, she might have felt safe. But obviously the story changed later on. So she got on the carriage and the first part of her journey seemed to be uneventful and the reason for that is because she had a sandwich on her that she had made at home and it was clear when the police found the evidence that she had eaten the sandwich um, and obviously if she was in a difficult situation or if she was scared or worried she probably wouldn't have wanted to eat her sandwich. So that indicates she was quite comfortable for the first part of the journey. 
She also had smoked a cigarette. Um, there was a, a cigarette butt found at the scene afterwards. So she seemed quite relaxed and nothing had happened for this first part of the journey. The train stopped at a few stations on its way to London, Victoria. So it stopped at Bickley, Bromley South, Shortland Station, Beckenham Junction, Kent House Station, Penge East, Sydenham Hill, West Dulwich, Hearn Hill Station, Brixton Station, and then finally in Victoria. But when the train pulled into Victoria, Debbie was no longer alive. She had been murdered, her body stabbed multiple times. A porter had been checking the cabins to see if there was any left luggage, which is something that they did and it was quite normal then, and he was shocked to find her body. It was a busy station even back then, so there were lots of people around, there was a lot going on, um, so really it was difficult to notice who had just left that carriage. Now, police were called to the scene and they investigated and there was blood everywhere, there was blood on the seat, there was blood on the floor um, and it was clear that there was probably a bit of a struggle and Debbie had defensive wounds on her hands. Um, the weirdest thing is there weren't really any witnesses. So nobody said that they'd seen Debbie on the train since she got on the train at the um, Orpington station and all of her journey no one else saw her. The only thing someone saw was they saw um, a man get off at Penge East. He jumped off the train and then hurriedly got onto another carriage from the carriage that he was on. And the witness said that it looked like he could have got onto the carriage that Debbie was in, but they weren't sure. And then there was another man who appeared to jump off the train in Victoria and be in a rush as well as a man who made his way straight to the toilets from the train and washed some dried up blood from his forehead and appeared to have a cut on his forehead. It was witnessed by another man who was using the toilets at the time. Another thing that happened was there was a French au pair on the train during the journey. And she said that during the journey, I think it was um, from Penge East to the next stop, she heard screaming, a lot of screaming, like she said it was really scary and it sounded awful. And this girl, she was only 18 and she was scared to pull the help cord and get help. Even though she was safe in her carriage, she was just too scared. The, the sound stopped her in her in her tracks and she said that she froze with fear. Um, but she said that the screaming went on for about two minutes and that it just sounded absolutely terrifying. Now, on that whole journey, about 70 passengers came on and off the train and 40 of them were still on the train at Victoria and 40 of them got off the train at Victoria. No one ever came forward saying that they had heard the noise except for this au pair and 
we still don't really know why exactly she didn't pull that cord. However, I guess we don't know how people react in different situations. We don't know whether she knew about the cord, whether she knew what it was for, um, whether she was just simply too scared. Uh, but later on in an inquest, um, it was investigated as to why she didn't pull that cord um, and why she didn't come forward until the police requested information. She waited. And when this um, this au pair got off the train at Victoria Station, she didn't check the carriage to see what had happened. She simply saw who she described as a red-haired man um, with a moustache uh, who got off the train and looked like he was coming from that carriage. So she said she followed him, but then lost him in the crowd. When asked about the screaming by police, she told them that the screaming started when the train left Brixton. And she described it saying, I had never heard such screams. They stopped for about five seconds and then started again. She called out as if for help. They were screams of fear. I wanted to use the alarm, but I remained glued to my seat. It was after this that she said she saw the 40 to 50 year old red haired man of large build limping away from the train when she attempted to follow him, but lost him in the crowd. Sadly, this information didn't give the police much more to go on. Debbie had been stabbed 11 times and five of those times were around her heart. Police said that it's likely the murder weapon was a heavily bladed knife. Um, it was between about 13 centimetres and 19 centimetres. But there was no weapon found at the scene. During the evidence gathering, they found obviously... Debbie's wrapper from her sandwich, they found her cigarette butt and they also found her purse um, and her purse still had the money in it so it didn't appear to have been a robbery or attempted robbery. Um, she still had £5 in her purse which was equivalent to around £11.50 for that time and that was the £5 that her brother had lent her that day, I presume, to travel to this interview. So police were confused about what the motive for this murder was. They at first thought it could be an attempted rape or sexual assault. However, the fact that it was in such a short time frame and the whole scenario of it being attempted on a short train journey seems a little bit odd in those circumstances so they decided that they were going to rule that out and that wasn't the reason they didn't really find many leads they put out um, an impression an artist's impression of a man um, he was another passenger and he's described as scruffy looking with dirty blonde hair and he was the one who left the train at Penge East and jumped back onto the train. There was also the man that was seen getting off the train at Victoria that the French au pair followed. Um, he was the man of large build between 40 and 50 um, with red hair.
and there was an additional short stocky man um, who was seen jumping off the train and appeared in a hurry at Victoria Station um, and he went to the toilets to wash some blood off his head he had a cut on his head um, and he was seen by another man doing that um, now that seems quite indicative of a struggle and it could be quite possible that he obtained that during the struggle with Debbie however there is also another possibility because according to police that day at Wembley Stadium there was a big football match and there had been a lot of scuffles in that day so the police said that they weren't they wouldn't be surprised if that was as a result of a scuffle um, they did put out a campaign for this man and the other men identified to come forward to eliminate themselves from this case um, so they launched a crime watch campaign and they did a reconstruction where they had someone dress up as Debbie and take the journey just to demonstrate what had happened. Um, they didn't really get many leads and the case still remains unsolved to today. But it's very, very strange because of the window of time. Now, this train journey was only 31 minutes long and it had a lot of stops, but no one really saw anything and nobody entered the carriage between the times that were described. Well, apparently they didn't. I mean, no witnesses came forward to say that they'd seen Debbie. So you'd think that, you know, someone would come forward and say, oh yes, we were on the carriage with her from Orpington to this point and then we got off and didn't see her again. But literally no one who had seen her came forward, which just seems really strange. And there's just no leads on this. And it's just bizarre. Who would want to do this? I mean... First of all, I thought there was something suspicious about the guy that she met on the um, hotel management course because, I don't know, an offer of a job, a job opportunity um, and going for like an informal job interview and to look around the hotel. I don't know. There's something about that kind of scenario that always strikes me as a bit suspicious. Um when you're a young woman um, and, you know, Debbie was an attractive young young woman of 26. Um, now, I thought maybe he could be something to do with this because, I don't know, the idea of him inviting her there um, to show her around, you never know. You never know what can happen. And maybe he had his own ideas about what was going to happen. But then I thought, well... No, because he would have to know exactly what time she was leaving. He'd have to know the exact route she was taking. And from the story that the brother gave, it seems like it was sort of um, a last minute decision to get that particular train. So she could have got another train. She could have got it from elsewhere. There are different stations in the area she could have got it from. So if it was anything to do with this guy, he would have had to have known what journey she was intending to take and he would have had to have timed it very well also 
she couldn't have updated him on her journey. So she wouldn't have said, oh, I'm leaving now. I'm getting on the train because they didn't have mobile phones then. They weren't constantly in communication like we are now. So if it was anything to do with that guy, it would be very odd and difficult to explain. Um, Another theory is obviously that it could have been someone she knew. So it could have been like um, someone who liked her or someone she had had a relationship with or, you know, someone who she had upset. Um, And police did for a while think that it could be someone she knew because they explained that between the time they think they they have a theory of when the, the killer got on, Um, and by the time he got off again would have been a six minutes window and they think because it's that short space of time that would mean it was it was someone she knew I don't know why they've come to that conclusion from that I don't understand what you know what the rationale is for that because I don't think it makes any difference I think if someone got on the train and and they had an argument with someone or it was just a random weird attack. I think, you know, six minutes they could do it in. Um, if there's no one else in the carriage, um, they wouldn't have to sort of worry as much about getting off and things. Um, so I don't think it necessarily has to be someone she knows, but it's very strange as a random attack. It definitely could be a random attack because people do do strange things and um, obviously we know that serial killers enjoy the act of killing and they don't necessarily have to have a reason for picking that particular person. Um, They are just opportunists and if they see an opportunity to jump on a train and get away with it then they probably would. But I do think it is a strange scenario to do that. And I think it's also strange that no one saw anything. So I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking ex-boyfriend or someone who liked her, someone who was jealous. Maybe they weren't happy about her going to meet this man in the hotel, even if, you know, it was completely innocent on her part. If, if she had a boyfriend who was a bit unstable and and didn't like the idea of it maybe it was like some sort of um anger and jealousy um or maybe it was someone she didn't know and they'd just been following her um it's really hard to say but i think whatever happened to debbie on that day she really wasn't expecting it um she wasn't i don't think she was worried or looking over her shoulder because you know, the first part of her journey was uneventful. She she ate her sandwich, she smoked a cigarette um, and I think whatever it was completely took her by surprise. So it's very odd. Um, another thing that I think is strange though is the fact that in everything that I've read and on, on the Crime Watch episode... Uh, where they talk to the police, no one mentions the name of the man she was going to meet and no one mentions 
whether he was interviewed and whether he's been eliminated from the inquiries. And I think that's actually a really important part of it because I think that's the first person you would go to. Even though it sounds like he couldn't have committed the crime, even though it sounds like it would be really far-fetched, you never know. He could be involved in some way, even if it wasn't necessarily him who did it. It's very bizarre. And I just think that the name Sherlock Holmes Hotel is where she was going when she was murdered. I just can't go over that. I think that's so weird. When police spoke to her family and her friends, they asked, is there anyone who would have any reason to be upset with Debbie or to want to hurt Debbie? Or was there anything you know about? Did she have any enemies? And they said, absolutely not. They they didn't know anyone that would have arguments with her they didn't know anyone who would be upset with her um and they didn't have any reason to suspect anyone um there wasn't any mention of any boyfriends or any friends that might have been a problem for her so it's just really bizarre and that makes it sound like it was just a random act of someone who who just did it because they were you know either not mentally sound or they were just you know a serial killer but it's still it's too bizarre the fact that no one saw them no one came forward I I don't know I often wonder if perhaps Debbie had become involved in something that no one's aware of um and it was almost like some sort of hit that had been taken out on her because it just seems to have been executed so perfectly without this person being caught without anyone seeing it seems like it was planned really well um so maybe there's something we don't know about maybe Debbie had got involved in something quite serious and there were people who needed to get rid of her for whatever reason. It may sound a bit far-fetched and like a bit of a, a tin hat theory but you know in London working in hotels with a lot of prestigious hotels and a lot of high-end clients I really wouldn't be surprised if she had got involved with someone that was dangerous. Um, It's easy to fall into that trap for young women who are looking for opportunities and for jobs and, you know, someone comes along and sort of offers you something, an opportunity. Um, And if you're young and naive and you go along with it, maybe that's what Debbie did and maybe it's something to do with this person she was going to meet, maybe she wasn't entirely honest about who she was going to meet, Um, or maybe there were things already going on behind the scenes at the hotel. It just seems too clean cut, the way that they got away with it, and the way that it was just executed perfectly. It just seems like it could have been a hit, but I could be completely wrong there. If it was planned, it was someone who was able to know her every movement from the time she left her brother's house and the time she got on the train and the time the train would have been passing through all the stations 
um, specifically um, Penge End when the man was seen changing carriages. So that leads me to think the only person who really would have had that much detail on her movements would probably be her brother because he was the one who knew she got on the 216 train and he probably knew the route of the train, where it stopped and how long it took because he was local to that train station. So I think that's something that the police should have looked into. I know it's her brother, but you never know. Um, I haven't seen anything to suggest that he is a suspect or that he should be a suspect, but I think the fact that he's probably the only one who knew her journey in detail is definitely something that can't be ignored. I think this mystery is really compelling. It's still not been solved and people are still racking their brains over it. Now, Debbie's dad is still alive, but sadly her mum died um, and her dad is still campaigning to catch her killer. He's still asking people to come forward um, and he believes that there must be someone who knows something. There must be a brother or a partner or a relative or a friend who came home that night and was acting strange or has been acting strangely since. There must be someone with a suspicion or someone who knows something. Um, so he maintains his campaign for someone to come forward. Um, and equally, obviously, you know, if you know anything or you know anyone who's talked about that, um, if anyone who was around during those times and you know something about it, please contact the police and give them any information that you can. I think time's running out more and more because it was so long ago, um, but they've still got the DNA and now they've got the technology, so they just need to find a suspect. Shortly after Debbie's murder, British Rail vowed to reduce the amount of carriages that were closed like, she, like the one she was in because of the safety risks they posed to people um, and it was something that they had thought about doing before but obviously this sort of highlighted the importance of it and it wasn't safe because when people got in the carriages they had no way of getting away so they that's when British Rail started to change the carriages and make them open so people could move freely and get away and get help if needed. Debbie was buried on the 22nd of April in Bromley and she was buried wearing the bridesmaid dress that she would have worn to her brother's wedding um, in the following weeks when he got married. Her dad still um, is still campaigning to catch her killer um, and I think it's really important that anyone with any information comes forward for her and for her family. If you do want to watch the Crime Watch episode that I'm talking about, um, you can find it on YouTube. It's Crime Watch 1988. If you just type in Debbie Lindsley 
and Crime Watch 1988, you'll be able to find it. And they do a really good reconstruction and they tell you the story of what happened. Um, I have to say that facts seem to vary um, from account to account and different sources give different information. I'd say Crime Watch, I felt that they were sort of quite conservative with their information um, and their main aim was obviously to get people to come forward but I feel like they didn't say much uh, so it's worth having a, a dig around. Um, you can't find loads on this case which is really weird but maybe it's because of the age of it maybe because it's the UK as well I know that usually there's more coverage on you know US sort of murder mysteries but yeah there's not loads um so if you can have a dig around and see what you can find and obviously if there's anything that you find that I haven't talked about or any theories you have that might be interesting um please go to my Facebook page um which is um Murder Highway and just comment on there and tell me what you think about this and tell me if you have any theories or if you have found some different information that's interesting I'd really like to hear about it and I'll I'll talk about it on my next podcast but that's it for today that was the story of Debbie Lindsley